This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 319, comic reviews for the week of Wednesday, October the 28th, and Wednesday, November the 4th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 319. It's our comic reviews episode uh, for two particular weeks, uh, Wednesday, October the 28th, as well as Wednesday, November the 4th. Uh, We took a week off, not totally intentionally, but uh, we're back with new episodes. Uh, So this will be a a double-sized review episode. Well, maybe not double-sized, but we're going to be talking about uh, two weeks' worth of releases. Um, So there's going to be a lot of comics we're going to be going through today. Um, It's going to be a little bit faster, fast-paced as per usual, I should say. Um, First up, we're going to look at releases from October the 28th. Um, so the release we're starting with today is none other than Aquaman 45, written by Colin Bunn, who was recently on the show, if you want to go back and listen to that episode. Unfortunately, his run is coming to a, a relatively uh, abrupt end. Uh, I guess there's a lot of negative reaction, so he did, kind of decided that he would end up taking off. It didn't end up working out as well as anyone, I guess, had hoped. Um, I've been up and down on, on this storyline in general. Uh, it's written by Colin Bunn. This artwork is by Trevor McCarthy. I think most of my issues more with the artwork than the story. Uh, the story is interesting. I think the artwork at times hasn't quite been what people were getting used to. Um, Storylines... I found this issue very interesting because it felt very fish out of water. It felt like something different uh, than what we had had in previous issues. Uh, previous issues felt... Also fish out of water, but in a very different way. This felt more organic, even though he's on a different planet, and very interesting. Um, So I'm going to give it a a solid 7. It was a good read. Again, McCarthy's not my favorite artist for Aquaman, but I'm enjoying the story overall. And interested to see where they go with this going forward. Um, Yeah, it just felt... It it had a different feel to it, and I enjoyed that that different feel. Um, Then we have Batman and Robin Eternal, number 4. Uh, this is by a whole smattering of creators, but James Tinian IV and Scott Snyder took care of the story. Our, uh, scripted by Steve Orlando, uh, artwork by Scott Eaton, who I really do enjoy. Uh, it was a good issue, uh, a lot going on, a lot of Robins and Batgirls and, and uh, Bluebird and uh, um, Cassandra Kane and Oh My. Uh, a lot going on, definitely an interesting kind of ending, uh, definitely leaves a lot to be kind of, not desired, but uh, a lot of questions come up, which is good. Um, I like the interplay between the characters. It still feels like we're moving at a a pretty decent pace. Um, It feels like there's, again, a lot of balls in the air, and so far that hasn't been a problem. And so far I am enjoying the the kind of the tightrope act that they're they're playing. Um, Is it as strong artistically as previous issues? No, so I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, next up is Captain America, Sam Wilson, number two. Um, in some ways, I thought this issue was actually in so, uh, stronger than issue number one, as we're seeing more and more of a hint of what's really going on here. It's written by Nick Spencer, artwork by Daniel Acuna, who's not my favorite artist, but I did enjoy his take on this book. Uh, seeing how Sam and uh, Steve kind of are at odds, um, the different kind of flashbacks here and there, I actually thought really worked and kind of made me more interested in the story because you weren't really sure where it was going next. Uh, and seeing the interplay between the characters um, felt more natural than I think it, I thought it was going to be. I thought their kind of um, schism would be a little bit more hackneyed. And instead I thought that it was actually fairly well done in terms of how it's kind of captured. Um, 
So, I, I, but again, I'm going to give this issue uh, seven and a half out of ten. Uh, not a seven, but a seven and a half out of ten. It definitely has a lot of interesting points to it. It's not quite firing on all cylinders yet, but it's damn close to doing that. Uh, lastly, or not lastly, but next up we have Deadpool versus Thanos, issue number four. Um, I like this kind of a sad ending. Um, very interesting book, not what anyone I think may have expected. Um, you know, Deadpool and Thanos definitely do have more of a fight here. Uh, Thanos in general gets a lot of action in here in terms of fighting Deadpool because becomes uh, part of the Unipower from Captain Universe. Um, very intriguing, and the ending, is, is, as I said, it has it's a bit somber. Uh, it has a sadder moment, um, and I was impressed by that because I again I I think the entire series had a lot more going for it than I think anyone would have expected, and felt a little deeper and a little more introspective than maybe one would expect from a book called Deadpool versus Thanos. And it just felt like as much as there was a lot of jokes here, there was also uh, another uh, there was something going on beneath the surface there there was more to it than just what you may expect and that was enjoyable to see because you wouldn't necessarily expect that uh seven and a half out of ten that's by tim seeley and elmo bondock uh next up is deathstroke number 11 uh this issue uh i i'm enjoying deathstroke even though even though at times i'm not sure why um it's written uh by let's see tony s daniel and James Bonney, art by Tyler Kirkham, uh, whose art isn't as nice as uh, seeing Daniel's, but it's still very good, and I'd say it's possibly his most polished work yet. It felt less imagey, and it felt much more consistent with Daniel's approach, which is, it is a compliment. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I thought it was a strong read. Uh, we get to see the motivations for like what he's doing now, why he's breaking in to Belle Reeve, um, the action was well done, good cliffhanger. Um, it felt at some times more like an issue of new, of new Suicide Squad, but it was still an enjoyable read. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Good week so far, nothing that's bad. Uh, next up is, uh, I had to ruin it, The Flash 45. I'm just not really digging this. Uh, it doesn't work for me. It just, the art doesn't work for me because I'm not a huge fan of Brett Booth. That being said, we have other pencilers here. We have Vicente Cifuentes, who I do like, and Ali Garza, who I don't know as well. Uh, it's all inked by Norm Ratman, so there's a little bit of consistency as much as possible. Uh, it's written by Robert Venditti and Van Jensen. Um, and yeah, the, the art being as inconsistent as it is, even though you have the same inker, is frustrating. Uh, the story's okay, um, but the whole like, kind of Zoom thing, I'm just not interested in this version of Zoom. We just, it just doesn't seem right, and... Uh, it felt, I don't know, I just, I'm just not digging it. I want to enjoy it. I love Flash, and I just wish that I enjoyed the book more, and I keep hoping that I'll enjoy it more, and it's just not happening. It's it's like an abusive relationship, you know? Like, I really want it to be something that it just isn't. Uh, although I don't think anything will ever top for me Jeff John's run on Wally West originally, because that was some of the best comics I've ever read. Like, his Blitz arc and uh, the, tri um, uh, was it The Secret of Barry Allen? And then the Rogue War, like, those were some of the best comics I've ever read. Like, they were ratcheting up the intensity, and they had so much emotion, and such a good use of character. And then ever since we've had Barry back, we've had some good stories in the pre-New 52, but again, they weren't quite at the same level of John's previous work. Previous work. And then Manipal and Bujolato were doing a good job with their own take, but it was different, and it wasn't quite 
to the high level of caliber, but it's still enjoyable. And then ever since they left the book, it just hasn't been the same. And I'm not a huge fan of Brett Booth. At times, his artwork is better than I would have expected, but it's still not the same. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10. Uh, next up is Grayson. This is issue number 13, uh, which was pretty enjoyable. It's by uh, Seely and King. Um, a lot of kind of cheesecake, which is fun um, and silly. Script by Tim Seely, plot by Tim Seely and Tom King. Mikhail Yannon on art, and he continues to do just an absolute bang-up job uh, on the art here. Uh, it's a fast-paced, interesting story. Uh, seeing uh, kind of Tim Drake being such a big part of this issue, like four or five pages, like that's not insignificant, uh, was interesting. Um, I'm interested to see kind of where they go with the storyline next, uh, given how the issue ends, uh, which definitely is kind of an interesting ending because it's right in the middle of the action. Um, I'm going to give it an, an 8 out of 10. It, it remains a very solid and enjoyable read. Uh, next up, Justice League Dark Side War Batman. Um, you know, it, it was okay. It wasn't great. Uh, it's written by, I believe, Peter J. Tomasi, although I could be absolutely incorrect, and if I am, my sincere apologies. Um, let's see. Yeah, Peter J. Tomasi... Peter J. Tomasi does the art. I swear it's art. Is the story in words? Holy crap, what's wrong with me today? Fernando uh, Pissarin does the pencils. Um, I guess the issue here is just more, like... It's, it's interesting to see, now that I've read more than just this, it feels like we've seen this type of story before, and I think we have. There, I think there is a version where uh, of Batman where we've seen him reveal his identity to Joe Chill, and it doesn't go very well for Joe Chill. I can't remember for sure where that takes place, or if it was just like an alternate story or not, but it's not like it's a brand new story beat. And kind of seeing Batman kind of pushing himself because of um, uh, because of the... Um, the Mobius chair. I guess part of what makes these these one shots feel a little toothless as well is that you know they're kind of in their own continuity. Like it kind of bugs me that at the last issue here, last page here, I should say, you have a montage of all these classic Joker moments, and one of them is the cover of the Endgame trade, and it bugs me just because that technically hasn't happened yet. Um, and again, that's what kind of makes this not matter as much is that this takes place before Gordon becomes Batman. Before Batman supposedly dies, before he fights Joker that one last time, so it just kind of feels like it has less purpose and less consequence to anything that happens here because it doesn't really matter because we already know that you know Endgame still goes down the way it does. Uh, I'm gonna give this a six out of ten. It was it was okay. It was it was good. I don't know. I'm I'm really torn on it, and so I feel like I can't in good conscience give it a seven or eight because it's an ably written comic. It's just it's lacking something. Um, and I apologize for not knowing exactly what that is. Uh, we've got Kane in the Last Padawan. Uh, I'm just, I just find this incredibly enjoyable, even though I've never watched Rebels. Um, but I am enjoying this. Uh, as we see another kind of uh, flashback story. It's written by Greg Wiseman, artwork by Pepe Loraz. Uh, Loraz's artwork is vibrant. Uh, there's a lot of energy here. Uh, the flashback story to the earliest days of Caleb was really cool. And just kind of seeing when he was a youngling and what the trials were. And I think it's a, a really interesting story because it's something we don't always get to see or don't get to see much of is what actually happens to these, these younglings uh, when they're kind of coming up through the ranks. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. And the artwork felt very, um, 
okay, this is a horrible pun, but it did feel peppy. I mean, it's by Pepe Larraz, but I did feel like it was a lot of energy, very youthful, and I felt that really worked for the story because the story was a youthful story about a, about a kid. And I thought the artwork represented that well. It was bright and flashy and very exciting. Uh, next up is New Avengers number two. Um, I continue to enjoy it thus far. I'm not a huge fan of the maker and the questions about the maker and how he's even around. But the rest of it I did find enjoyable. Um, it's by Al Ewing, artwork by Gerardo Sandoval. The artwork is very much over the top. Uh, bombastic, but that that works for the story. Al Ewing is obviously having a good time with this tale. Um, I'm going to give it a a 7 out of 10, which apparently is my rating of choice this week. Uh, Next up is New Suicide Squad number 13. Um, This is by, I believe, Sean Ryan, but let me double check. Yeah, Sean Ryan, artwork by Felipe Briones. Um, I dug it. It's it's been an enjoyable book. It's fun. It's fast-paced. There's a lot of action. Uh, intrigue. There's a lot more kind of going on here um, with Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller kind of going off the grid a little. Uh, there's, there's just a lot going on and a great cliffhanger. So I'm wondering how that will be resolved. Uh, I'm going to give this, again, a 7 out of 10. Next up, Robin's Son of Batman. Um, this was enjoyable, although at times a little confusing. Artwork by um, Patrick Gleason. Sorry, script and pencils by Patrick Gleason. And it's uh, inks by Mick Gray. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, we kind of see the conclusion of the storyline for the most part. Um, although the next issue should be interesting as a bit of a um, uh, denouement or you know, an epilogue. Uh, very much an action-oriented issue. Uh, great kind of moment for nobody at the end, which I thought was surprisingly effective. Uh, she has to kind of make a choice, and she makes the choice to... Um, she probably would not have even expected herself to make. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It, it's been a solid read. Um, I mean, I like Patrick Gleason, his art, but I didn't, I didn't know what type of story he could do, and it's actually, he's doing a good job. Uh, next up is Sinestro 16, which felt very different, and a little weird just because, you know, Black Adam isn't the Black Adam we know from the pre-New 52, and that's, they, they, it felt like they were writing him more like that version of the character who doesn't really exist anymore. Um, Colin Bunn wrote it, artwork by Brad Walker and Ethan Van Skyver. Um, but I did think it was a cool kind of concept of these two kings, so to speak, meeting and, um, you know, discovering a, a ancient held secret, and they find something that they never would have expected. And I thought it was a great cliffhanger. Uh, really made me wonder what the hell are they going to do next. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. It was a very strong read by, by Colin, and the artwork was uh, fantastic by Walker and Sky- Van Skyver. Uh, next up is Spider-Man 2099, number two. I enjoyed this. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as the first issue, but I did enjoy it. It's written by Peter David, artwork by Will Sliney, or, or Sliney, I'm not really sure how you pronounce that. Um, the relationship between Peter and Miguel didn't quite feel right here. It felt, well, Peter himself just felt off here, but Miguel being as um, dedicated to finding out what exactly the hell happened, uh, that felt real. Uh, that felt like a good emotional place to kind of drive the story. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, It was not as strong as the first issue, but it was still strong. Next up is Superman 45, which was not strong at all. Uh, This was actually kind of terrible. I didn't enjoy it at all. It was just really left a lot to be desired. Um, And I mean like a lot to be desired. Uh, It's written by uh, Gene Luen Yang. I work by Howard Porter. Didn't even seem like Howard Porter, like... 
he has a certain style and it felt a little rougher than what I would normally expect from him. Uh, it just it, it was not a very good story. Um, the whole kind of fight club kind of idea didn't really work either. The ending really didn't make a lot of sense. It seems stupid. Um, I, I just don't... Not, sorry, stupid is so not fair. It just didn't feel like it made a lot of sense and, and really fit the character in any way. And as a reader, I just I did not connect with that or enjoy it. Sorry, saying stupid isn't fair because it's a, va- uh, a baseless value judgment. But I just didn't think it felt appropriate for the character. I don't think it really fit his personality. And I didn't really enjoy it as a reader. That's what I meant to say. I'm going to give this a 4 out of 10. And I'm being very charitable because I... I don't know. I think Flash is probably better, and I didn't like Flash either. Last up for October 28th's releases, we have What If Infinity Dark Rain. Um, this was surprisingly sad, um, and, and it had a lot of kind of nuance to it. Uh, it's a What If the Green Goblin Stole the Infinity Gauntlet, basically. It's written by Joshua Williamson, artwork by Grant Suzuka. Uh, and really, it's about a, a man and his father, and so... Um, which was interesting. Uh, Norman kind of trying to prove, prove something to his dad. But the, the most heartbreaking part of the issue is that we see uh, the moment that was always, you know, the thing that was the worst thing that Norman had ever done, which is killing Gwen Stacy. So here we see it done over and over and over again in a two-page kind of spread. Well, it's over three pages, but really on a two-page spread. And it is so affecting and upsetting um, that that's how twisted Norman is, that... He gets to relive his greatest accomplishment forever and ever, which is killing Gwen Stacy and making Peter go through it over and over and over again. And the way that it's effectively done, and I don't know if this is more the artist's choice or the scripter's choice, but um, the way that the panels start getting smaller and smaller and this, the sound of the snap gets bigger and bigger, it's unbearable. It's just absolutely horrific. This was a really entertaining uh, what-if. It had a lot going on because, again, it's about a father and a son and also about the depravity that Norman has with deep within him, it was just, like, horrifying. And uh, let's talk about some of the books I did not get a chance to read. There's actually a lot of stuff that came out that I did not get a chance to read fully, uh, which includes All-Star Section 8, number 5, Art Ops, number 1, Batgirl, 45, Batman, 66, 28, Cyborg, number 4, Gotham by Midnight, number 10, He-Man, The Eternity War, number 11, Justice League, 3000, number 5, Prez, number 5, Vertigo, Quarterly SFX, number 3, We Are Robin, number 5, Walt Disney Comics and Stories, 724, Angela, Queen of Hell, number 1, Chewbacca, number 1, sorry, 2, House of M, number 4, Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., number 1, Secret Wars, Official Guide of the Marvel Multiverse, number 1, which I did like, especially where it basically explained everything that had happened in the first few years of uh, Hickman's uh, Avengers New Avengers run in like the three pages, which was extremely dense, but definitely made a lot of sense putting it all together and wrapping it up in a bow. Uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number one, and Where Monsters Dwell, number five. So without further ado, let's move on to November the 4th. So I'm not looking at quite as many releases from November the 4th, but still a a fair amount. Uh, We're going to start off with uh, Amazing Spider-Man, number three. Um, I I enjoyed it, but it felt kind of very slow-paced. The whole uh, Zodiac... Did I'm not really enjoying the Zodiac all that much and their take on S.H.I.E.L.D. and their war against S.H.I.E.L.D. I wanted a little bit more focus on Spider-Man and we had, you know, there was a focus on him but not quite as much as I would have liked and a lot of it just felt very superfluous. His fight scene with um, with Human Torch felt very prolonged and ha ha ha, we're having a fight. Um, the parts where we actually see Harry Osborn and, you know, kind of clash, does something that he shouldn't have done but is then forgiven and then kind of seeing... 
uh, Harry, Flash, and Peter kind of getting together and hanging out together. That I liked. Um, it was just very. It was, it was just an oddly paced issue. Uh, very, I think, inconsistent at times. The artwork by sorry, it's written by Dan Slott. Artwork by Giuseppe Camincoli. I really liked the artwork by Giuseppe. Um, I thought it was great. I just thought the story le- left a little bit to be desired. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten. Uh, it just it was middle of the road. It was good, but it wasn't great. And at times, it was just okay. Uh, although the, the climactic kind of a last page ending, I mean, we're seeing a lot of this older villains in some way either showing up or uh, something's happening to them in the last pages, the last couple issues. So it made sense we see that again. And I'm surprised that we're kind of seeing Norman already. It's not if this is indeed Norman who, I mean, realistically doesn't need to be in, could actually be someone different if they wanted it to be. Uh, next up is Contest of Champions number two. Um which I was very on and off about. Uh, Al Ewing did the script. Uh, it's penciled by Paco Medina, who I do like. Um, the parts of the story was where it was about Ares that I thought was extremely strong. And then we kind of go back to the Collector and, and everything with Collector kind of collecting his, his people and them having kind of a fight and Ares breaking free and Ares fighting Maestro. It just felt like the storyline's not really moving forward and it's just taking its sweet time getting there. And that I didn't enjoy as much. Um, and the big, you know, Punisher 2099, I guess, being the summoner for the Grandmaster, that that need to be a last-page reveal, I don't actually think it needed to be. Um, so I just felt it was very slow. I liked the artwork with Medina. I just thought the actual script was very slow getting there. It just felt very pointless. What was the point of this issue? We introduced Ares, which is cool, and then we have a meaningless fight between um, uh, the, the forces of the Collector and then we kind of get a bit of a climactic, you know, oh, we're going to see a fight coming up next uh, issue, finally. Like, I mean, it's called Contest of Champions, and we're not really seeing the champions fight much yet. Um, so I'm going to give this a 5 out of 10. Uh, most, no, that's a little harsh. I'm going to give it a 6. Because I'm thinking that the story is maybe a 2, but the art is definitely a 4. So I don't want to give them too low a ranking, because I do think there are elements here that were enjoyable. Uh, next up is Deadpool number one, which I really dug a lot more than I ever would have expected, just because I'm not a huge Deadpool fan. It's written by Jerry Dugan, artwork by Mike Cawthorn, who I really dug his take on this. Uh, the first few pages especially were, you know, it's a, a silent sequence of uh, a Deadpool doing um, an infiltration. I thought it was really well done. Uh, the script was strong. Uh, the fact that there's, like, multiple Deadpools here I think is really cool. Madcap was kind of funny to see. I'm interested to see what happens next with um, Daredevil and uh, Luke Cage. Uh, very interesting. Um, the ending, I'm not really sure where they're going with, with that, but we'll have to see. Um, and I, I don't know how I felt about the very ending. But for most of the issue, I thought it was very strong, and the artwork was uh, actually exceptionally good. Like I thought it was really well done. Uh, the different kind of body types of the different Deadpools, I thought, was well portrayed as well in the art. Uh, next up is Extraordinary X-Men number one, uh, which for me was not the, you know, I think the slam dunk they were hoping for. Written by Jeff Lemire, I work by Humberto Ramos. It was okay, uh, but I don't think it was great. And it definitely, there's a lot of questions, and I don't think they did a good job of kind of, of kind of establishing, I mean, they established the X-Haven, but I, I just, I think it lacks something, like, I wanted to feel something more than what I felt here, and I didn't feel it. Um, there's definitely the idea that there's something something happened, but we don't know what it is, and 
um, you know, at the very end, Jean doesn't want to be part of the team, but she senses something that is, you know, there that shouldn't be there, which is, um, which is Old Man Logan, which who I also thought didn't quite look as grizzled as I was hoping he would look. Uh, I don't know. It just it failed to excite me. I was expecting something more, and I didn't get it. I wanted a really exciting new X-Men launch, and I don't think I got that. Now, I didn't read the full Uncanny X-Men 600 either, but so I, I don't have everything. Like I, I just feel like it's very... I guess we had a very specific status quo under Bendis, and in the last few, uh, last little while, it just kind of felt like a race towards a conclusion that felt half-assed, and maybe Bendis didn't realize he was going to be done, and then suddenly he was going to be done, so it felt like he was very much rushing towards a conclusion that didn't feel earned. And then now we're jumping forward eight months, and it feels like everything the Bendis was building up something in particular, and then it felt like we didn't we didn't get to see really what the ending was of that. We saw kind of the beginning, but then we we know that something else happens in the eight months. And I've only I've only read a little bit of Six Hundred, but it looks like you know Six Hundred definitely felt like they were coming to a new place with Cyclops. And then this almost feels like a regression that something happens that makes everyone fear mutants again. And I don't know if I buy it because it feels kind of uh, anticlimactic based on what where Bendis's run ended. So I just wanted and expected and hoped for more from this and it wasn't that uh the issue as it is it's okay but it, again the artwork by ramos i didn't think was on point as much as i would have expected and hoped for maybe it's just because of his newness kind of illustrating these characters um it was lacking a certain punch and the story i thought was so much more set up the i knew there was going to be set up but i felt like it was both set up and not set up because it was set up in that it didn't actually progress the plot forward all that much but it was bad setup and that it didn't actually set anything up much. Like it kind of it took the barest kind of it, it was dipping our toes a little bit into this pool. But we weren't really easing ourselves in. Like that's what a setup I would have expected more, you know, where where we've pushed off the wall and we're we're into the water up to our waist and said, Oh, I got my foot wet, you know, like that's not I don't know. It, it didn't feel like it was an adequate enough setup issue. I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. Um it just wasn't it just lacked a lot. Uh, next up is a book that I did not expect to enjoy as much as I did, but I found myself absolutely loving it, and that's Hercules number one. Um, actually, I usually go in alphabetical order, and I have jumped out of that, so I'm actually going to take that back. Actually, no, I'm in I'm in proper order. Never mind. I for, for the moment, I forgot the alphabet. Uh, Hercules number one is fantastic. It's written by Dan Abnett, artwork by Luke Ross. The artwork by Ross is absolutely perfect. Um, I think also, uh, I'm trying to think who did the inks here. Oh, I guess it was just Luke Ross his own, on his own because he did the pencils and inks, and I think it actually looks much better for it. Uh, there's just something to it that I don't even think his artwork usually has, but there's a, a certain rawness that works for the character. Uh, the colors by uh, Guru FX. Uh, I just thought the whole take on Hercules here felt great. Uh, I liked his, his even his hairstyle worked for me. That He had the kind of the long hair, and then he kind of put it up in the, um, I guess a ponytail or like a high bun. I don't know. It looks like he's working for, um, I don't know if he's working for damage control or not, but his clothing definitely makes it look like he's wearing those types of pants. The fact that he's kind of in freelance business and doing his thing, and he's he's hanging out and living with Gilgamesh, and he's not afraid to you know have weaponry and use futuristic weaponry when necessary, I thought was a great kind of combination of the old school, you know, classic Hercules who's fish out of water, doesn't really get our modern times, with a version of him that is much more modern. Um, I thought this was absolutely fantastic. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. One of my favorite reads of November 4th. And I would not have expected to enjoy the, to. I just didn't expect much from this. I thought, oh, it's a new Hercules book. That could be fun. Holy crap, I loved it. 
next up is um, Invincible Iron Man number three, which on the whole I liked. I'm going to get that out of the way first. I did like it on the whole. Um, it's interesting kind of s seeing Tony confronting uh, Madame Mask here. It's artwork by Brian Mc sorry, artwork by David Marquez. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. I thought um, this, you know, the, the kind of story and how Tony's talking to his love interest here is really organic and interesting. Um, him going to see Doctor Strange, a little bit less interesting, more because there's that spot where he tries to give a, a, a um, get a high five from Doctor Strange, and it felt completely out of character for both characters. And not only that, then you have when he finally acquiesces and gives a Doctor Strange finally gives him the high five. Tony says something that no version of Tony Stark would ever say and felt very stupid. And it's awesome facial hair bros. And I'm like, fuck off. Is this Deadpool? Is Deadpool pretending to be like Iron Man? Like, I, it's interesting that I was so in on Bendis' take on Iron Man so far. And I've liked his issues so far. And there's, you know, some points where I'm like, well, that's not really Tony, but I'll, 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 I'll go with it. Because I, I want to like it. I want to enjoy Iron Man again. And then when he says that, I was totally taken out of the story because it just felt so, so bullshit. Um, so, anyway, the rest of the issue is fine. It's just that. It's just that moment that I really hated. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8. It's still a good read, still a good book. I'm interested to see what uh, it's going to be like with the MJ joining the next issue in, this, in the supporting cast. But uh, holy crap, that awesome Facial Hair Brothers comment really bugged me. Uh, next up is Justice League Dark Side War Superman number one, um, which I did not like. Uh, and I don't, looking at the reviews online, I don't think anyone liked it. Superman's just a jerk, but it doesn't even make a lot of sense why he's this much of a jerk. Um, he's the god of like, strength now, or god of steel, or whatever. Um, written by Francis Manipal, by Bong Dazo. The artwork was, you know, okay, but it wasn't wasn't great. Um, it, was, it felt inconsistent and kind of childlike at times. This story well, left a lot to be desired. Like, I know that Manipal can probably write, but this would have you believe that he can't. Because uh, this was just a really terrible issue. Uh, it wasn't enjoyable, wasn't interesting. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10, and I'm probably being nice. Um, next up is a book that I did not originally intend on buying. Then I saw the preview art for it, and I was like, holy crap, I definitely need to give this a shot. And that's none other than, um, I don't know if you want to say I guess it's Claus. It's not Klaus. Well, it shouldn't looks like it, but it's Klaus or Claus uh, by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora. I don't know if I know Dan Mora's artwork from anywhere else, but... Uh, it looks like he does the illustrations here, so I guess he's doing both um, uh, penciling, inking, and colors. And holy crap, does he do an amazing job. Uh, this book looks extremely vibrant and exciting. Um, it, In some ways, you know, it's basically Santa Claus Year One. At times feels like uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, the Rankin, Rankin Bass uh, cartoon, but a lot with a, with a much rougher edge. Um, so I, I really dug this origin story for Santa Claus. Uh, kind of trippy at the end, but definitely makes me interested in to see you know where they're going to go with this. Um, the characters are very well drawn and put together, and I don't mean artistically. I mean, just in terms of the script, they're very uh, multifaceted. Uh, there's a lot going on here. I'm excited to kind of see what happens next. And uh, yeah, this I don't know what made Grant Morrison decide that I'm going to do a story about uh, Santa Claus, but uh, I'm glad he did because I'm very hot and cold on. Uh, on Grant Morrison, but this was fantastic. This is right up there with Hercules from my favorite books of the week. 
Um, again, once I saw the preview art, I had to put it on my pull list, and uh, I was not disappointed whatsoever. It's a miniseries, so there's only going to be six issues, but hopefully maybe someday we'll get more close uh, or claws, because uh, it was really, really well done, very enjoyable, uh, great, great read. Uh, next up is uh, Nova number one, and this was this was really nice. I was worried, um, kind of unfairly so, because it's not by Jerry Dugan, who just did a great job for the last little while uh, writing the Adventures of Sam Alexander. I loved how this was kind of portrayed with him and with his black helmet and his dad with the standard Nova helmet. Them out and kind of doing adventures together. It's artwork by uh, it's written by Sean Ryan, artwork by Corey Smith. Um, so it's very cool, very enjoyable, uh, kind of getting to know the new status quo for how these characters work. And then right at the end, one hell of a, a twist ending that I would not expect at all. And that makes me wonder where they're going to go with it, but it's very intriguing. When did this happen? How did this happen? Um, you know, is everything that we saw previously correct uh, in the, the run by uh, um, Jerry Dugan? And is this something that happened in the meantime? Um, it definitely kind of made me go, what? But uh, I enjoyed it. The artwork, um, you know, it was a little different, a little rough at times, but I liked it, and I think it really helped uh, achieve the idea that this is a, a you know a younger character, a youth character. Uh, and then last, but definitely not least, after we've talked about almost twenty, at least twenty comic books, is uh, we stand on guard number five by uh, Brian K. Vaughn and Steve Scroce or Scros. Um, I really enjoyed it. A lot going on here. Um, very action packed as we kind of get ready for the big climax next issue. Um, I, I really dug it. it. Again, there's a lot going on here, and really kind of cool ending. It kind of came together a lot faster than I would have expected, but um, that last page was really good, so I'm excited to see where they go from here. This was a solid 8 out of 10. Uh, there was a lot of books that came out November 4th, though, that I did not get a chance to read, so I'm going to try and tell you what they were. Although there's so many, I'm just going to give you some of the highlights. Uh, Barbed Wire, number 5, a new issue of Batmite, Batman and Robin Eternal, obviously. Um, on the trade paperback side, there was Birds of Prey trade paperback volume one. Uh, new issue of Detective Comics, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Lobo, uh, Midnighter, uh, Justice League Dark Side War Flash, um, uh, Sensation Comics featuring Wonder Woman number 16, Donald Duck number 7, Mickey Mouse number 6, Doctor Strange number 2, Drax number 1, Howard the Duck number 1, uh, Vision number 1, which I've heard a lot of good things about. Uh, Star Wars number 11 and Uncanny X-Men number 600 were just some of the releases from this previous week. Uh, when we look forward uh, to November 11th, um, or uh, I think it's what, Veterans Day in the U.S., and in Canada it's Remembrance Day, which is also bank holiday, which means, hello, I'm off. Yeah, I work at a bank. I don't know if that's ever been discussed. Um, but uh, let's see. Some of the upcoming releases are going to include uh, Rebels number 8, um, from DC, we've got new issues of Batman, Batman Beyond. Uh, there's the Batman R.I.P. Unwrapped, which I believe is the black and white version of that storyline. Uh, new issue of Batman Superman. New issue of uh, Catwoman. There's uh, two Justice League uh, Dark Side War uh, one-shots. One with Green Lantern, one with Shazam. Uh, there's Justice League United by Hood and Arsenal. Uh, star- new issue of Starfire and Teen Titans. There's the launch of Superman Alien Number 1, which has been getting a big push recently in all the comics, as well as uh, Superman Adventure Trade Paperback Volume 1. Uh, over at IDW, there's the second issue of Back to the Future, uh, as well as we're going to get the Herb Trimpey uh, Incredible Hulk Artist Edition hardcover, which a lot of people have been looking forward to for a while, uh, as well as the second trade paperback already for Uncle Scrooge Trade Paperback Volume 2, Can- Canyon Conquest. 
Um, from Image Comics, the launch of Limbo, uh, issue number one, Walking Dead 148, uh, birth rate number 11, and Airboy number four. Wow, is that finally coming out? That, uh, that's, uh, I think it was originally solicited with, uh, in July, so that's coming out, I guess, two months late. Um, and then over at Marvel, next, uh, next week we've got A-Force Presents Trade Paperback Volume 2. We've got a bunch of the, um, Maybe not a bunch, but we're seeing a, a few of the trade paperbacks come out now for the Secret Wars tie-ins. So we have Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies, which I did enjoy. We've got the launch of the all-new, all-different Avengers, which you can also read my review on um, SuperiorSpiderTalk.com, uh, as I will be joining the staff as a reviewer for that particular book. We have the launches for all-new Hawkeye number one, all-new Wolverine number one, uh, new show Captain America White, uh, the launch of Carnage, uh, third issue of Chewbacca, the twelfth issue of Darth Vader. Uh, we've got uh, Illuminati number one, so that's a new launch. Infinity Gauntlet number five, which I believe is the conclusion of that story. Uh, we've got Marvel Masterworks, Spider-Woman Hardcover Volume 1. Uh, we've got Secret Wars number seven, which is a big release. Uh, each second issue of Spider-Gwen. We have the Spider-Island trade paperback War Zones, which I'm excited for, to read again because that was a great, great story uh, as part of Secret Wars. Um, we've got Spider-Man 2099 number three, Squadron Sinister number four. I can't believe it's already up to... Oh, wait, that's not the new one. That's the Secret Wars one. So that's, I guess, coming to its conclusion, possibly. we got the Star Wars hardcover, Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Thanos trade paperback called Cosmic Powers. Uh, the next issue of Thor's. Uh, the launch of Ultimates with Ultimates number 1. The second issue of Uncanny Avengers, issue number 2. Uncanny X-Men trade paperback, Volume 5, The Omega Mutant. And Web Warriors number 1. So that's all coming up this coming week. Uh, thanks again for listening to this uh, double-sized or uh, two two com- two weeks at once releases. Uh, as we talked about a lot of comics today, interesting to note the last time that we did an episode where we did um, two weeks worth of releases at once was actually episode 161. So almost exactly like, well, not exactly, but if if this had been episode 322, which it almost is. Uh, it would be like double the amount of time. It's been so long since we've done one of these. Um, that was in uh, April, uh, to the, April 29th, 2014. So it's been a year and a half since uh, I doubled up. So uh, thank you for your uh, for your continued patronage of the show and for downloading this episode. Our upcoming episodes, we should be having some interviews. Um, in theory, we have to still confirm them, but there should be interviews coming up with Danny Fingeroff, uh, David Marquez, and Will Slinney. So uh, those are things to look forward to coming up in the future. So thanks again for um, for listening and downloading this episode. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, listen to us on Stitcher, uh, and do all that fun stuff. Uh, so thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time with episode 320. And this is Adam Chapman signing off. Bye-bye.